From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with more of our 30th anniversary celebration. This week, we continue bringing you highlights from our 2007 season, featuring Calexico, the Hopes Brothers, Dave Alvin, Nico Case, Bosley, and more. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, here comes our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. We are so happy to be able to share some more of these archived performances with you all for a couple of reasons. First, because they haven't been heard anywhere for a really long time. And second, because they're good. We've chosen some good songs and good conversations for you this week. We are covering some musical territory as well as some actual geographic territory this week. We've got artists from the Pacific Northwest, the Southwest, from New York and Los Angeles, from rural Tennessee, Louisiana, even South America. But it all holds together, I think, essentially because of the spirit in the songs and the integrity, the soulfulness of these performances. Up first, we're starting in the western part of the U.S. from L.A., the great singer-songwriter Dave Alvin, from the Pacific Northwest and now living in Vermont, Nico Case. And up first, from Tucson and parts nearby, here's Calexico on stage at E-Town from back in 2007. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here.
your hands to a parched, burst and broken heart. No water here to drink from wind downstream. And one goes where the water flows, water's running dry. So don't give up, no, don't cry, don't cry. Just close our eyes, pretend we forget. Dream of no. Please help me welcome back to the stage the very feisty and talented Nico Case. Oh, John the Baptist, oh, John divine, leather harness round his life. His meat was locust and honey, wild honey, Lord, wild honey. John So he flew from the pit with the moon round his waist, got a wind in his fist, stars round his wrist. Holy, holy to the Lord. Read the revelation you'll find in there. The chapter for the verse where he said unto me, there's a piece that moves out of the sea, and crowns dead. 
told the angel, go see about John. The dude from the pit with the moon on his waist, gathered wind in his fist, stars round his wrist, flying holy, holy to the Please welcome back to E-Town our good friend, Mr. Dave Alvin. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. California, fourth generation. Yeah. God, you got a good deep, low voice on the radio. That's a good thing. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I owe it all to menthols. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you out there, folks. All right, kids. Whatever you do, don't be like me. So uh, the new project, West of the West, how do you even begin to pick out songs or songwriters that would fit into a compilation or a collection of songs like that? There's so much stuff. Oh, there's thousands of songwriters, billions, you know, really. I mean, everybody from uh, Captain Beefheart to Diane Warren, you know, who writes all those power ballads that... Right you know, the, the pop singers do. So I narrowed it down to people that came out of some sort of roots music background, either folk or R&B or country, or all of those mixed together. So, um, you know, it's everybody from Richard Berry from Southeast LA. Richard Berry was a great R&B singer and songwriter, and he wrote, he's the guy that wrote Louie Louie. So it's people from him to, uh, you had a Tom Waits, born in Pomona, to uh, John Stewart from the Kingston Trio, and. Kate Wolf from the Bay Area, and Jerry Garcia and Brian Wilson, Merle Haggard, John Fogarty. All right, all right, that's enough. <laughs> I get it. I mean, it's a pretty amazing lineup of songwriters. Yeah, you know? no and kidding. It's, it's a love letter to my native state, and it's and it's. My dad rode the rails out from Indiana, but my mom, like I said, was a longtime Californian, and so that family always referred to anything east as back east, and and right. you know they define themselves as Californians. And my dad didn't really go for that, and so I got a little bit of half and half, you know. So, uh, you know, we talk about the effect of landscape or environment mm -hmm. on our creative output. And is there a thing you can hear in a California song? I think it, in some of the songs, say for example, Merle Haggard's Kern River, John Stewart's California Bloodlines, you definitely get a sense of the environment. In a way, I, you know, my cockamamie theory is it's the first 15 years of your life is really the important part. The rest of it's whatever. When you're a songwriter or a poet or even a painter, it's those first 15 years. It's the first time you fall in love. It's your first hamburger, the first tree you climbed. It's where you grew up. It's the sky you see. It's the trees. It's the hills. And when you sit down at the age of 30 or 40 or 80 to write a song or a poem or something, there's a part of you that goes right back to those images. Yeah. Yeah. And so a song like Kern River or, or um, Jim Ringer's Tramps and Hawkers 
that's drenched in the environment. Yeah, you get a sense of those little wide open skies and, yeah. and the places. And well, it's also, I think, in a song like Kern River, you know, or Tramps and Hawkers, the environment's as much a part of the song as, you know, whatever the action is, you know. Right. Say, for example, what Merle Haggard does in Kern River is he uses the environment he grew up in and the environment in which he lives to, you know, use them as mileposts in his own personal life. And that's one of the reasons it's a great song. I know we've talked about it before on E-Town, but I just want to make sure our listeners are aware of this remarkable tradition that you are a part of. You got to listen to music early on because partly through your older brother, but in your cousins. Yeah. And uh, you were turned on to music that was powerful roots music, and then you discovered that some of those guys actually lived near you. Yeah. My brother Phil and I and some of our friends, yeah, we were definitely mentored. We didn't know we were being mentored. You know, we were little kids. You know, I started sneaking into bars when I was 12. Don't do it. <laughs> if you have children, lock them up. But I started, yeah, I started sneaking into clubs to see Big Joe Turner and T-Bone Walker and Eddie Clean Hedmanson and, you know, down the line, Lightning Hopkins, Reverend Gary Davis, Helen right. Wolf, Freddie King, Albert King. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some of the guys, you know, became close friends throughout our life. Big Joe, Lee Allen. And uh, our older cousins had exposed us to folk music and R&B and country music and all that, and we just continued on into discovering that, yeah, this kind of music, roots music of any shape or form, whether it's loud electric blues or uh, bluegrass or singer-songwriter folk, it lives underneath the asphalt of the country. We've paved it over, and that's maybe a good thing because it doesn't get corrupted too bad. And, and what you do is you go and you get a big sledgehammer and you break up that asphalt, and there's this great, vivid, wild culture of ours, whether it's the blues culture, the mountain music culture, the Cajun culture, the Tex-Mex culture, the R&B culture, the, you know, whatever it is, there it is. And it's all, exactly. the, all the traditional American musics are connected. Yeah. Music is colorblind. Music's just music. In America's music, more than anywhere else in America, more than its literature, more than its painting, more than its government, more than its day-to-day, the ideal of the American Constitution, all men created equal, it lives in the music. And that's why American music, whether it's a doo-wop group or a rap guy, that's why it's so powerful. I agree. Thanks, yeah. Dave. Well, with that, welcome back to town Dave Alvin. Thank you. I'd like to bring up a couple of people here. I'd like to bring up my good friend from Tucson, Arizona, the great Chris Gaffney. Courtesy of the Hacienda Brothers. And I'd like to bring up to sing a duet with me right now, Helen Forrester. So Chris Gaffney and Helen are gonna help me do a song written by um, one of the great California songwriters, one of the great songwriters from anywhere, the great, late Kate Wolf. Soft 
cat She said love can make you happy And love can rob you blind California Fruit hangs heavy on the vine And there's no gold I thought I'd warn you That the hills turn brown in the summertime Well, I may learn to love you but I can't say when This morning we were strangers Tonight we're only friends But I'll take my time to know you The hills turn brown in the summertime Well, it's an old familiar story And it's an old familiar ride To everything there is a season Every purpose There's a time A time to love And come together A time when love Longs for a name A time for questions That we can't answer But we ask them Just the same There's no gold I thought I'd warn you That the hills turn brown in the summertime There's no gold I thought I'd warn you That the hills turn brown in the summertime Helen Forrester Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Dave Alvin, Nico Case, and Calexico. We'll be back with much more music and conversation after a short break. 
Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E-Town. Welcome back. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to some of the highlights from the E-Town archives. Up next, a visit with a legend, Mavis Staples. She has won Grammy Awards and Lifetime Achievement Awards and been recognized at the Kennedy Center. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But more than all of that, she has been using her gift as a singer all her life to bring people together and fight injustice, to build bridges between cultures, and to lift our spirits in troubled times. She's one of my heroes, as was her dad, Roebuck Pop Staples, who was on E-Town a couple of times in the early days. You know, we usually record a show at Red Rocks every summer. In 2007, we produced the whole thing. We called it Green Rocks. Not the most inspired name, I know. But we did usher in a new era at Red Rocks by helping them develop a composting and recycling program, which they did for our show, and they've continued it ever since. So right now, let's go back behind the scenes, backstage at Red Rocks in Colorado, and visit with the very special Mavis Staples. Mavis Staples, welcome back to E-Town. Thank you, my brother Nick. It's very good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you are such a great singer, and I realize part of it is not just how you sing, but it's also how you breathe. It's like the pulse of your breathing fits with the music, and it's (laughs) so... Complete. You're so completely invested mm-hmm. in a song. Do you think about that when you're doing it? No, I really don't. I just that's just the way it comes out, Nick. Yeah. I, I uh You use it. <laughs> you use it as an yeah, instrument. It's cool. I, I, I like it a lot. Thanks, Nick. Hey, you've been at this a while, we all know that. But it's just it's so amazing now. There's so much great recognition coming your way. Rolling Stone magazine just called you the most underrated diva of the century mm-hmm. in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You've got the National Heritage Fellowship Award, yes. the Lifetime Grammy. Mavis Staples Day in Chicago for June 19th. <laughs> I mean, folks are catching on, aren't they? Yes, yes, finally. Yeah. I know, but... What took them been, so it's, long? It's been, you know, it's been an uphill journey. Right. But, but uh, it's always a welcome to be recognized. Yeah. You know, we've been through some trying yeah. times. Which brings us a little bit to this new record, because, you know, this new CD that you made is revisiting that civil rights That's right. time. That's right. And and if you notice, the title of the CD is We'll Never Turn Back. Right. And we, at a time, at a point during the movement, we used to sing We Shall Overcome, but we felt that we had overcome so many hurdles, you know, and we had come too far to turn around. So we stopped singing We Shall Overcome, right. and we began to sing We'll Never Turn Back. Right. That's where my title comes from. Yeah. I think it's so amazing for people now to hear you sing, mm-hmm. to hear you connect to those songs, yes. and to revisit the idea that somebody mm-hmm. had to fight for yes. those fundamental rights 
at a time when they did not exist, when right. there was that kind of segregation, there was that kind of brutality, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that long ago. That's you right. spent a night in jail. You fought for your convictions. That's you were right. out there on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And, and there's still a long ways to go. It's still a long ways to go. When people think about the lack of response to Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that played a big part in me singing these songs, you know. When I saw... The, the people floating in this black water and standing on rooftops with signs and no one was coming to their rescue. I actually had flashbacks from the 60s on Blood Sunday. You know, Blood Sunday is every first Sunday in March. And that was when Congressman John Lewis was leading the march, trying to cross that bridge right. from Selma into Montgomery. And they came out with the water hose and the dogs and the billy clubs. And so Katrina reminded me of that, you know. And I just thought, I said, now, what would Dr. King say? He would have done something. You know, we have no leaders. What's been done? The, The rubble, everything is still there. The Bloody Sunday was a moment where the whole country saw this on television. Yes. And they together, white, black, rich, poor, everybody looked and said, you know what? We're better than this. That's right. And, That's right. And I don't know that we had that experience when we saw the TV crews in New Orleans. Right. When five days to get basic services or, you know, years later and it's still better. Right. I don't think we've had that moment where we all stood up so. and said, you know what, we're better than this. I don't think so, Nick. Like you say, we're better than that. Yeah. But Katrina, it's just not happening. I know the music does bring people together, and you particularly coming out of gospel music, coming out of the church, mm-hmm. um, as your daddy used to say, the message songs, you know, those those songs that, you know, mean something and are going to lift people up a little right. bit. It's right. a very natural transition for you. Right. And it's so important because you can reach so many people with a great song. That's right. And you can That's lift right. them up and you can, you can help them feel like there's hope. That's there's right. There's a chance we can all do something together. Yes. Yeah. Well, this CD, I want to encourage people to check it out. Once mm-hmm. again, it's called We'll Never Turn Back, produced yes. by Ry Cooter, produced who also by... had done a record for your dad. Yes, that's right. He produced Pops, and, and actually, I'm singing one of the songs that Pops is singing on his record, Down in Mississippi. Right. Well, congratulations on really making a great new CD. Thank you, Congratulations Nick. on winning all this awards and attention that's so well-deserved. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you so much for being a just the perfect ingredient to make this show as special as it is here at Red Rocks. We're going to have a good time yeah. at Red Rocks. <laughs> I tell you, we're going to have a, a hallelujah good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back to the stage and get back to some more music. The amazing Mavis Staples.
Thank you, Mavis. Thanks to her band, too. Such a great sound. Up next, something completely different, a band playing contemporary Cajun music that is inspired, of course, by the French music that came to Louisiana during the 18th century, back when the British decided that the French settlers in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick had to pledge loyalty to the King of England and the Church of England. No Catholics allowed, so they were deported if they didn't do that. Houses and property taken away. A bunch of them were offered land by the Spanish government, which owned Louisiana at the time. Uh, Anyway, some pretty nasty behavior, but it landed a bunch of very spirited French-speaking folks in Louisiana. And they were from Acadia, also known as Acadians. And of course, that became Cajuns. So it has folkloric roots. It's mixed with all kinds of Caribbean vibes and brand new songs. Here's Beausoleil on stage at E-Town from back in 2007.
y'all. Thank y'all very much. Thank you, Beausoleil from Lafayette, Louisiana. We'll be back with more music after a short break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WUWM in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on WCNR, The Corner in Charlottesville, Virginia, and on KEGR in Concord, California. As usual, if you'd like some more information about anything we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff can be found online at etown.org. Welcome back. When we dig into the archives, we find so many great performances, sometimes by artists who are no longer with us. And that's the case with these next two songs. One by the Holmes Brothers, a trio originally from Virginia that relocated to New York and they made a big impact. They recorded with people like Van Morrison and Peter Gabriel and Roseanne Cash and Joan Osborne. Two of the three members, Popsy Dixon and Wendell Holmes, died in 2005. Sherman Holmes, the bass player and singer, is still living down in Virginia, but we're going to share their unique sound on a classic and timely Nick Lowe song. But before that, we've got a former member of the Grand Ole Opry, a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame, the late Charlie Leuven, came to visit E-Town in 2007. Charlie, known worldwide for his duet with his brother Ira, the Leuven brothers, he was 80 years old when he stopped by. Here's Charlie Leuven on stage at E-Town. Charlie, I have to say it's great to have you here. You know, we, uh, those of us who paid attention to classic country music and, and all the stuff that came since then have really been influenced a lot by the Leuven Brothers, and I guess I never really thought I'd get to meet you, to tell you the truth. It's an honor to have you here, man. You play a mandolin, don't you? Well, yeah, I do. Yeah, it was, I can't, a, it I, was inevitable that okay. we <laughs> so, um, so you grew up in uh, Alabama. What kinds of sounds did you have in your house? My dad was, uh, I guess you'd call him a peddler. We raised sorghum and uh, truck patch, and uh, he was forever going uh, maybe to Knoxville, and they had a great curb market up there, and right in within that area they had a record store. When he would come home, sometimes it would be midnight. My brother Ira and I would get up and listen to what records he brought, both sides. Yeah. And if there were too many of them, he would say, okay, knock that off, i got to get some sleep. And we take it now. This, if you've never tried this, you try it. And you, right now, you think I'm crazy. But when he said you can't play any more of the records, we'd take the reproducer off of the record, take a broom straw about six or eight inches long, put it between your teeth, hold it down against the record, stop your ears up. You could hear the music perfect. Wow. <laughs> and so, 
We, we never went to bed when he said go to bed, but we certainly got quiet. Wow. <laughs> I never heard that before. Well, it'll work. It'll wow. work. But, uh, we, Did you uh, like the Monroe Brothers and the Blue Sky Boys and, and uh, that, those, that kind of sound? Were you going yeah. after that? In the 30s, of course, when the Depression was over, it started getting over when I was about six, I guess. We listened to the Delmore Brothers religiously. Yeah. They were, are, and will always be yeah. the hottest yeah. duet to perform on the Opry. Yeah, they were great. And, and uh, we come close to worshiping them. But uh, we heard Monroe Brothers, the Blue Sky Boys, lots of other music. We had thoroughly enjoyed Roy Acuff. And uh -huh. when we first started singing, Ari could uh, impersonate Roy. <laughs> and I had Oswald down pat. <laughs> and, uh, but as we grew, then the voices changed and uh, we became what we ended up as. Yeah, well, well, that was pretty spectacular. And I know we've talked about this with some other artists here on the E-Town stage, but... I don't think most of our listeners really know the reality of trying to make a living in those days really depended on getting associated with a radio station. Well, they used to have an amateur contest. Today it's uh, American Idol and stuff like that, you know. And they kind of opened up the amateur contest to the world. Yeah. We entered one in Chattanooga at the American Theater, and you had to win three Saturday nights in a row. See, that's the way people get free talent. <laughs> you get a thousand acts and only one of them is going to win and nobody gets paid for it but we uh, we did three in a row and, and we won and the uh, prize was a 15 minute radio show at 4.30 eastern time every morning <laughs> but first thing you know uh, people would write and say we'd like for you to come out here and make a little music, so we go out on a percentage basis, you know. Right. Our first night was in Jasper, Tennessee. And we made as much money that night. It wasn't a great amount, but we made as much money that night as we could make in two weeks working at the cotton mill. Wow. So we were determined at that time. I was uh, like 15, and we were determined to become members of the Opry. Yeah, and eventually you wound up not singing so much gospel music, but singing more secular songs in the mid-50s. Did you get criticized at all when you left, stopped singing gospel music exclusively? No, I don't think that we, re we ever recorded anything that would offend uh, even God. <laughs> the book didn't say you had to sing hymns. It just said praise with uh, stringed instruments. Yeah. And people that uh, think that stringed instruments belong in a carnival, is uh, they just had not heard the right people play the strings. That's, that's right. all. Now, uh, the song When I Stopped Dreaming, original song, that was your first big hit in 55, right? It was. Uh, we had recorded four years, all gospel. Right. But we wanted to re expand because the gospel people did think of us as a carnival act. Yeah. Wasn't it shortly thereafter your record came out that you had a pretty uh, energetic opening act? This guy from Tennessee. Uh, was no, he he was from uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Tupelo, Mississippi. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was a good kid. Good kid, Elvis. Nick's talking about Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> your opening act, Elvis. <clears throat> well, that lasted about three or four weeks, Nick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this kid would leave the show on a Saturday morning 
go to New York, and he was on the Darcy Brothers TV show, a nationwide TV show. Took him about four weeks, and they didn't even call him Elvis Presley no more. If the stage was 40 foot wide, the backdrop would be 40 foot wide, glittering, and just simply say Elvis. Yeah. As I said, he was a good kid, yeah. unspoiled, because uh, he didn't become a superstar overnight, you know. But yeah. I think that would be a little disconcerting if you're the headliner and then all of a sudden this other kid has 40 feet of sparkling Elvis letters across the back of the stage on your show. That didn't bother me. Oh, yeah. It, I was personal friends of his mom. Yeah. When we go to Memphis, I would take his mama, uh, Louvin Brother Gospel album, and he loved his mom. So any kid that could do that ain't all bad. Yeah. Hey, Charlie, let me ask you. I know most we think about these brother duets, the Delmore brothers, Ralph and Carter Stanley and uh, the Monroe brothers. And there's usually there's an amazing thing that happens with the singing voices that just is a blend that cannot be replicated in any other way. And there's another thing that happens, too, which is the brothers tend to fight a little bit. We never did fight. Uh, we uh, disagreed. Yes. <laughs> But we didn't fight. He was six foot tall, too gawky. He never could have won a fight anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I considered him old time. I got 16, 17 year old. He's 20. Right. I thought that was old back then. I don't even think 80 is old. <laughs> speaking of 80, uh, speaking of 80, the 7th of July is kind of a big day coming up. It is. We're going to have a celebration on the 6th of July at a local club called the Mercy Club in Nashville. And the next day, we're going to celebrate at the Leuven Brother Museum, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, and finally at midnight that night, we'll do the uh, Midnight Jamboree. Yeah, and that's going to be when you turn 80. You'll well, turn, you'll turn 80 true. on the... I don't pay no attention to them, uh, really. Yeah. Uh, I've got as much energy as I had at 40, maybe more. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great to hear. You're going to... I know, that, I know that Al Gore's throwing a big party on the same day, kind of a seven-continent musical thing that's happened. So you're going to get in on that in any way? No, no, no. I'm not a tree hugger. No? <laughs> I, did, I didn't even vote for Al. <laughs> uh, you noticed kind of wish you had, actually. You, you... That's, a, that's a bigger conversation, I'm afraid. <laughs> Is that more than you asked for, Nick? No, not really. I knew it was coming. But I should say this, just so our listeners know. He, this, he may not be a tree hugger, but he is a guy who has worked the land and is connected to the land. And you mentioned something earlier to me today that, that uh, there's a stretch of road near where you live, and you personally get out there and clean up the trash and make sure that... I do that. Yeah. Not a bad life for a 79-year-old Country Music Hall of Famer, if you ask me. Thank you. Welcome back, if you would, Mr. Charlie Lubin. Thank you, Nick. God is cloudy in the west, and it looks like rain. Looks like rain, boys. Looks like rain. Cloudy in the west. Looks like rain And I'm on my long journey home Lost all my money But a two-dollar bill Two-dollar bill, boy Two-dollar bill Lost all my money But a 
Folks are rising down, it surely is a train. It looks like a train, it surely is a train. Black folks are rising down, it surely is a train. So I'm on my long journey home. Then I lost all my money, but a two dollar bill, two dollar bill, boys, two dollar bill. Lost all my money, but a two dollar bill. So I'm on my Welcome back, if you would, from New York City, the Holmes Brothers. So funny about peace, love, and 
Thanks to the late Charlie Leuven and to the Holmes brothers. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Which is, of course, the question on everybody's mind these days. How do we tip the scales in favor of peace in the face of a brutal war in Ukraine? We know that music is powerful, that it helped bring down the Iron Curtain once before. We know that the Russian people deserve better, that the truth will come out. But our hearts are broken on behalf of those Ukrainians who've lost everything. I want to say thanks to our production crew here at E-Town, Todd Ayers, Zach Littlefield, Henry Zimmerman, and a special thanks to Helen Forster. We're going to leave you with some music from the band Kumbayama Eneye, coastal Colombian dance music from the stage at E-Town back in 2007. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
This is a production of E-Town. Okay, there it is. 2007, some of the highlights. It was a crazy combination of ingredients, but man, it touches on the variety and the diversity of what we've always brought. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.